I'm Derek Thompson, longtime writer with The Atlantic Magazine on tech, culture, and politics. There is a lot of noise out there, and my goal is to cut through the headlines, loud tweets, and hot takes in my new podcast, Plain English. I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know to give you clear viewpoints and memorable takeaways. Plain English starts November 16th. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome to the Ringers Philly special. I am Chris Ryan, joined as always by Raheem Palmer when we talk Sixers. Raheem, what's good? Life is good. I mean, MV wrapped up the MVP last night, so um, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty. I was pretty happy about that. But yeah, life is good. We launched a hundreds podcast. And yeah, you guys, man. You know, check that out. So we're so doing pretty the, well right now. That's on the Ringer Gambling feed, right? Yes, Ringer Gambling feed. If you want to get in Raheem's insights into NBA betting, it's the hundreds. Lifted lightly from succession. I love that. You know, just just if they're not going to use it, we can use it. Raheem, um, have you noticed that when things are going well for the Sixers, we're more interested in talking about MVP <laughs> when, when things are going <laughs> shitty for us? We're like, MVP is a stupid argument anyway. We used to not even talk about it. We were so like dejected after like he skipped the Jokic game. And now yeah. it's just like, He's the MVP. It's over. It, it, it felt like um, Vince at the dunk contest. You <laughs> yeah. know, it, that's what last night felt like to me. <laughs> um, when uh, after that, that Denver game that Embiid skipped. And so Raheem and I are obviously going to talk about last night's Celtics game, which the Sixers won to avoid a season sweep. Uh, and they also moved into second place in the Eastern Conference, although they will probably not get the second spot because they would have to win out and the Celtics would basically have to lose out, I think, for that to happen. But um the uh the you know Embiid obviously goes off for 52 last night against uh somewhat undermanned Celtics but I'm certainly not going to going to make a big deal about Jalen Brown sitting um and you know in 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 a lot of ways many people are saying uh that that Embiid made his final closing argument for for the the award last night and it's just so funny it's like this dude scores 52 against Boston on national television i'm like well what else do you need to see that's it the mvp is a relevant award again but when he skips out on denver we're just like man this has become so toxic i don't like talking about this anymore yeah it's i mean it, 
it just, I mean, it's just, it's just frustrating as an NBA fan. You still want to see guys playing the big matchups, and unfortunately, that didn't happen. But, um, you know, last night, MB showed up, and, you know, like, this was really important. Like, for me, it was just like, the Sixers have to win this game. With Jalen Brown out, um, Robert Williams out, like, we have to win this game just to show, just to have some level of confidence going into playoffs, knowing that we could possibly play them in the second round. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I think it's a true sign of a Philadelphia fan where when you get into these big games and we're down in the like this home stretch of the regular season, which we knew was going to be tough because uh, we were facing essentially some of the best teams in the league all bunched together in this two-week stretch. And it's the Philly fan in you that's like the, like always looking for the thing that went wrong, right? And so yeah. even in a victory, we'll probably talk about the last 30 seconds here a lot today on the pod, the last 30 seconds of the Celtics game, which was just an absolute, like, full-on, like, one of those videos of 52 car pileups on, on a highway in Iowa in the middle of winter when you're just like, how did that happen? And also, like, you know, you're just basically watching, and even though we beat the Celtics, I feel like a lot of the stuff that I took from that game was more about I, I took more concerns than I did confidence from that game, if I'm being completely honest. What about you? I mean, I did the same. I mean, anytime when you have MB score 52 points, thir- drop 13 rebounds, get six assists and, and two blocks, and that's the manner in which you win that game, and Jalen Brown and Robert Williams don't even play, like, it's very concerning. It, it's just, you know, you you watch that game and you feel like, you know, maybe the Sixers should find a way to try to tank out of out of the third seed. Well, right now there would be they would play Brooklyn, right? But they would get the C's and the they would get the Celtics in the second round. Is that what you're alluding to, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you were you're saying you would rather see the Bucks in the second round. Yes. And I know um, that might sound crazy, but it's just it, I, I I'm not seeing anything that lets me know that we can deal with the wings that the Celtics have. Do you think you'd feel a bit differently if we had won by eight? No. So even if we had won by eight last night, you would have been like that. What that margin of victory wasn't enough. That against an undermanned Celtics. Yeah, it, it just, it, it just, it wasn't. You know, maybe I think if we had won the last game, I'd have felt better. Mm-hmm. That was a game to where it was just like, okay, this is a big game. I think it was in March or February, and. We dominated. We, I mean, we played well for most of it. And then it was just like they just went on a run and just, you know, kind of blitzed us. And it just felt like we can't beat this team. That's what it felt like. They put so much pressure on the part, on the weakest part of this team, which is probably perimeter defense. They yeah. put so much pressure on our guards to defend. There's so much driving and kicking. There's just this, they spread the floor so well. I hate watching this team, honestly. Like the two teams that I dislike having to watch the most are the Celtics and the Clippers because I think I just I've gotten so tired of that that driving kick always hunting for the open 3 style of basketball. Like it's just so homogenous to me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like it it mixes it up a little bit and I'm also just not like a big fan of watching Tatum. Like I just don't really I get why his game is good, but I also don't really love it. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of like a less like less efficient, less cool version of Durant that is, and it, and it's like I don't I don't know. If there's something about Durant's style that is like like a knife cutting through butter, and Tatum is more herky jerky and like kind of and kind of like unpleasant to watch. Do you agree with that? 
I think he's a poor man's Paul George. Like, I don't even, I, I think, you know, like, when you say Durant, it's kind of overselling him. Like, to me, when I look at Tatum, he's not an explosive athlete. He kind of uses his arm to push off a ton. Like, that's how he, like, and then he, he has nobody shots. On the, nobody on the Sixers does that, so we just want to make that clear that no, no Sixers ever, <laughs> ever engages any shithousing when, when getting space in the, on the floor. Go ahead. He has a shot selection like Kobe, but he's not Kobe. Like, he doesn't have Kobe's footwork. He doesn't have Kobe's finesse. It's just, you know, it's just very frustrating to, to watch. Like, even on that last possession of the game, it almost felt like Tatum should have dished that out. And instead, he like he finds a way to shoot fadeaways for every shot. <laughs> so, you know, I, kinda, I mean... It's kind of interesting because, like, Tatum, obviously, at the beginning of the season, Boston was really kicking ass. And I think Tatum had put himself in that top five player conversation, which yeah. is one that you can really, like... You could really lose it talking about that because there's 20, there seems like there's 13 guys in the top five sometimes. Yeah. But it was interesting to watch that game last night and see him be dominate the game on both ends of the court. Obviously, put up the 52 ball, but like also, like whenever he wanted to, seemed to be able to like snuff out anything at the rim and like really played like amazing defense. And obviously, was making his case for the biggest individual award in basketball. But also, I thought, was an interesting example of how basketball is becoming like kind of like a a big man's game in some way. Like, not not necessarily like the center is coming back. I know KOC and Bill talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But the way in which Embiid dominated and like and controlled that game is something that Tatum can't really do. Yeah, as a, as a as a perimeter player, you know what I mean. Like, if mm. you, st- you that basketball is still something where it's like if you have a dominant big man, an Embiid, a Jokic, a Giannis, like you can control a game and take over a game in a way that a a wing can't really do. That's tough to say. You think so? Yeah, because when I look at you know a guy like Kevin, when I look at like a Kevin Durant, or I look at like uh, LeBron James. Sure, I think they can they can take over in any manner, and even you know Kawhi Leonard. Um, I mean, not this version of Kawhi Leonard, but I think there's versions of Kawhi Leonard we saw in the past to where, I mean, he's doing everything, and then yeah. you know a guy like Kevin Durant or you know LeBron James, you could kind of put them at small ball center for a while. So let's talk a little bit about this Celtics game. Um, I, I want to talk mostly, let's talk about the end first. So the end of the game, obviously you're going into the last couple of minutes of the game. It's pretty tight. We're getting the exact thing you need from PJ Tucker, which is like really ferocious competitive edge. And then he hit some really timely shots. Finally, finally yeah. in his Sixers tenure. And like, this has always been the time of the year that we've been like hoping that PJ becomes PJ. And especially over these last couple of games with Tobias Harris being pretty inconsistent and obviously kind of falling into some poor habits. uh, It was really amazing to see PJ hit that corner three. There's 53 seconds left and Tucker hits a a three pointer to put Philly up six. And I got up and got ready to go out. I was going to a birthday party. I was like, great. 53 seconds left, six points. Celtics want to get out of here. Like, this is great. We did it. And then there was a bunch of questionable turnovers. Uh, the Sixers still went up seven with nine seconds left. 
Nine seconds left, they're up seven. Then there's a Marcus Smart layup, a Derek White made three, a bunch of challenges, a bunch of reviews, a bunch of subs, a bunch of timeouts. And we really do come down to the final shot where Tatum misses the 14-footer that would have tied it. So is this? did you see bad officiating? Did you see bad coaching? Did you see poor execution? Did you see... What's the most alarming thing that you saw in those final that final minute? Um, I just saw a bunch of late game variants, and I saw you know kind of like flukiness at the end of the day, and I saw like you know just just bad execution at the end of the day. Um, you know, it's like you get that ball into MB, we're not even talking about this now. Um, I didn't like the Marcus Smart layup, but I mean, I think you're trying to avoid threes at this situation. Um, even with the Marcus Smart layup, it's still one hundred three ninety eight. But when you get the, the the maxi shooting foul, you don't rebound the ball, and Derek White hits a three. Now all of a sudden it's a game, but it's just it took you know a series of collective failures for us to get there. So I, I'm not weighing that too heavily. Like I I just think you know sometimes those things happen. Um, you know it's kind of like a loss of focus. But I mean, do you feel like because I'm curious about this. <laughs> As a ga- as a guy who gambles, as a gambler, yeah, and you say th- words like variance and flukiness, and obviously you apply that to like when you're betting on games, and you're like, it's okay. There are things I can't control. There's there's late game variance. There's late game flukiness. How do how do you how do you square that with also being a Sixers fan when you're watching the Sixers and you're seeing late game variance and late game flukiness? I mean, as a Sixers fan, you're just like, what the hell. <laughs> like it, it just almost feels like there's just some some demons there with yeah. the Celtics. Like we've struggled to beat this team, we have them beat, and we still give them a chance to win. And I'm scared as a Sixers fan because to me, under no circumstances should the Celtics have been taking a, a two there. Like I'm watching that game and I'm like, they're gonna hit a three here. He had Derek White. He had White. He had white wide open. And I, I think I might have. Did I, did I send a text to you guys on that? Yeah. I definitely sent it to Bill. And I'm like, what is Tatum doing? Like, so it's just like, I thought we were going to lose that game. Once I saw Derek White wide open. And when I saw, you know, Tatum take the step back fadeaway, I was like, thank God. <laughs> have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply it's interesting to watch him bead down the stretch of those games because I think in the past I've thought he gets a little sloppy down the stretch. Yeah. And I often wonder whether or not um, it's exertion in the first three quarters of a game. And then when he comes in for that last burst at the end, he's like pretty, he's pretty tired and we're not getting the best version of him at the most high leverage moment. I also think that I'm starting to notice more and more, especially as his offensive game has just become so crystallized. I think I've been paying attention to like him on a play-by-play level that maybe I haven't in years past. 
that's a lot of his offensive game is drawing fouls. And because he's trying to draw these fouls and because he's trying to initiate all this contact, not only are you a like putting the ball in a kind of dangerous position, but he has, whether he's learned it from Harden or just developed it over the years now gotten into this, like I'm going to flail on contact and lose the ball. And if he doesn't get the call, it's a turnover. And that happened at least once in the fourth quarter. And it felt like it was happening consistently down the stretch of that game. And I wonder whether or not that's something that can be corrected or it's something that we just have to live with. It seems like it's something we have to live with, unfortunately. And I I think it's frustrating for me is because, I mean, I've noticed it with Harden for quite a a while. I mean, he, he gets tired. He gets really tired at the end of these games. And we have two guys who almost feel like they can be turnover machines. And somebody has to, like, protect And they're the, the guys who have the ball in the hands 80% of the time. Yeah. Like, somebody has to protect the ball down the stretch. So, the, the, I mean, those are definitely concerns for me, like, going into the postseason. But um, the one thing I do appreciate is that, you know, Harden doesn't have to have the load that he had, you know, when he was in Houston. So, I think he's a little bit fresher. And then, you know, having Maxi there... It allows us to have, you know, a third guy who can have the ball, but I don't think you can ask Maxi for too much. You say that. Did Harden look fresh to you last night? He puts up 20 and 10. It was, I would say, an unremarkable 20 and 10. Although, like, like we wouldn't have won without him, but it was 20 and 10, and I do feel like as we get down the stretch and some of the teams that we're facing are obviously very keyed in on defense in a way that they probably weren't in January. Some of his shit isn't working. Like some of his behind the pack back passes and, and some of the pocket passes and some of the foul hunting is not exactly working. What, what, how are you feeling about Harden right now? I think he hasn't looked good since he comes at, since he came back, since he, since he hurt himself in that Chicago Bulls game, this has been a different player. I mean, like we're looking at 17 points on 44% shooting. Um, he's just not the same guy. Like it, it, it's like the same burst is there. The same, like the 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 sense of urgency. Like nothing's been like this is not the guy that we've watched all year. And uh, Doc played him 40 minutes last night. Man, so I mean, look, like this is I, in some ways it's like clarifying because you're watching and you're like that's playoff minutes. Like he's playing them essentially. Yeah. Like he essentially played his playoff team last night in what was a playoff environment against the team granted without Jalen and without Rob Williams. And like, I saw some people being like, it was almost kind of funny that the Celtics held out Jalen. Cause it's like, even if the Sixers won, would you feel good about it? Kind of thing. Like it was yeah. mind games. I don't mm-hmm. know if I would go that far, but, um, it was, it was notable. I thought that the, that Philly, I, I expected MB to play that kind of load last night because especially as he had like the, what it was an 18 point first quarter or something like yeah. he was always going to be like, let's put him in the shop window to try and get him this, this award, but Harden playing 40 on a bad Achilles in a game that essentially is not going to change our seeding unless we, like you mentioned, tank out of the third seed. I don't know. Oh, I mean, like we'll find out in the in the playoffs whether or not this is we're going to look back on April fourth and be like Doc should have played him like thirty minutes and, and had him on a minute cap. You know, maybe I mean maybe he's just trying to get him to get his rhythm. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean he hasn't necessarily been. He was four for fourteen against Dallas. 
Um, I mean, he played low, played a lot better against Tor- Toronto, but he was four for nine against Milwaukee. You know, maybe he's trying to get him to get his rhythm because he's probably not going to play the last couple games of the regular season. Well, because to me, it's not for Harden. It's not really, it's not really the numbers. Although I, I take your point that it's the, these numbers are obviously not as good since that Chicago game. It's the intensity. Yeah, and you know, I was watching the TNT post game show. Mm-hmm. And Jamal Crawford and Candace Parker were kind of like, what's important going down mm-hmm. the stretch, going into the playoffs? And, and Candace was like, well, some people, some people need their confidence. Some people need their rest. Some people want to see their shots go in. Some people want to get their touches. Some people don't want to get touches and they want to play a little bit to like kind of keep their, keep their, their body in shape, but they don't want to push it too hard. And, you know, Harden's obviously like a real workhorse player. That's that's yeah. always been his thing. I I'm just really curious. I wonder what is the conversation between Harden, the doctors, Maury, Doc. What what does this team need? And and you know what would have happened if if he just didn't play last night? Like if we had lost this, the season series, if we hadn't swept by the Celtics, I think that would have been psychologically a little bit annoying and damaging. But it wouldn't have been the end of the world, especially if it's just another another night's rest for Harden. But like you said, you, you think he's going to probably rest down the stretch here. Yeah, I mean, we got three games left. I don't expect him to play against. I mean, you're playing Miami, playing the Hawks, and playing Brooklyn. And Brooklyn, I mean, right now it looks like we're slotted to play Brooklyn in the in the postseason. Right now, the, mm-hmm. the, the Nets are the sixth seed. I mean, they lost last night. Um, I think you know basketball. Let reference. me just say, I know you want us to tank out, but I think that that's a great. That's a great series for us. I, I love them. I love an Amtrak series for the Sixers in the first round. Yeah, I, I do think that's a good matchup. That is really, I mean, because at the end of the day, I think you'd rather play them than play the Knicks. <laughs> I mean, if so, they take yeah. care of, if they do a gentleman's sweep of Brooklyn, let's just, let's just throw that out there. That's, that's easy on some tired bodies right there. Yeah, you're 100% right. And then, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just like, you're gonna have to beat Boston or Milwaukee. Yeah, you have to be probably have to beat them both. <laughs> yeah, you know you're gonna have to beat them both. So at the end of the day, it's like it would be very satisfying to finally beat Boston in the postseason. Yes, um, you're talking about some tired bodies. So let's talk about Maxi and Harris. I thought and Maxi just seemed incredibly disoriented last night, like really out of mm-hmm. out of rhythm. I mentioned earlier about how Boston is is a real like Achilles team for us because of the amount of pressure they put on our guards um, because Brogdon and Smart and White and Tatum and all these guys just kind of like, you know, always looking for that, like just just really mixing up our guards a lot. Do you think that Maxi's troubles last night were offensive rhythm or was that, was his offensive rhythm like a result of his defensive frailty last night? Um, it just seems like this is a bad matchup for Maxi. That sucks for um, us. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, guess what he's shooting against Boston this season? From the field or from yeah. three? From the field? From the field. Uh, 38%. <laughs> you're right on point. But he's 18 of 46 from the field. Okay. And if you take away that 20... 21 point game in October. <laughs> He's put up six, eight, and five. Like yeah. this is just a bad matchup going yeah. against. And he's the... got to face Smart and, and Brogdon and White. 
Yeah, and it's just like, you know, if we had different personnel around him, I think he would be in a better position where, you know, he can get out and transition and get easy baskets. But he's playing with Embiid and Hart. They slow the game down. Mm-hmm. I'm almost wondering in a potential Celtic series, and I know, you know, we kind of visited this earlier this year with Melton being in the starting line. I wonder if he's better coming off the bench. Do you take that chance, though, thinking about how Maxie seemed to react to being benched the first time? I mean, he said all the right things, but he also said, like, this is doing my head in a little bit, like the ups and downs of the second season. Mm. I mean, if he's going to play like this, you you kind of got to be able to make an adjustment somewhere. And, you know, maybe, maybe it'll work out better for him to just attack second. Now, I mean, everybody's going to have extended minutes. Yeah. He's still going to have to deal with some of these wings. So, you know, maybe you are right that you don't take that chance. Well, I it, I would have to like really look at like the Excel sheet of rotations and 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 everything, but everything is related, right? So like if Harden doesn't have the pop that he did earlier in the spring, you know, is should he almost be on Embiid's minutes? You know what I mean? Should he be on Embiid's rotation? And then it's like Maxi is leading the second unit, like you're saying, but at the same time, because like Doc does try to stagger it sometimes to have like a hardened focused lineup when Embiid sits and then try to like keep the, the sort of, we always have an all NBA level guy out there, but I'm not sure. I'm, I'm really not sure how he's going to approach it. I would hope that it, everyone, every one of these rotations is tailored to the opposition. Yeah. But Doc's a big like I I know I trust my guys guy. Yeah, I mean he's, like, he's always not, been. He's that. not Ty Lue. He's not like yanking dudes and they're like out of the rotation and then they're playing thirty five minutes. Yeah, it just it seems like we're just gonna like yeah, it, it almost feels like we're just gonna be us and like we're just gonna have to win with our guys being the guys. I'm just I'm I'm really concerned about Harden's Achilles. Like you I mean, know. He, I am too. I am too. He, I mean, he said like like last week. He said I don't know where it came from. It's been bothering me for some months. I would say I just continue to play on it. There was one point the last game I played on it, and it was really unbearable. And so it almost feels like you know maybe you just have to sit him for the rest of the season. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so let, let's look at what we've got for the rest of the season. If if we're talking about that, so. The Sixers currently 52 and 27 and they're second in the in the East obviously. And the remaining schedule is as follows. They've got I'll scroll it down. They've got, got the Mi- Miami on Thursday, Atlanta on a back-to-back, so you assume Harden will at least not play one of those games. And then Sunday they close the season in Brooklyn in what could be a preview of the first round. And you have to wonder if that's all locked up by Sunday, like don't play anybody because don't give Brooklyn, don't give Brooklyn anything. Don't let Brooklyn yeah. see like what you're, what you might do. I mean, I'm sure Brooklyn has reams of tape, but what's the point in showing Brooklyn and beating Harden right before you're about to start a first round series with them. Right. Yeah. And then, I mean, why risk injury? <laughs> right. Like there's just no reason to play anybody that game. So, I mean, I guess, you, you you really just have to win one game. That That's really what it comes down to. I mean, you know, win that game against Miami on Thursday and, you know, just sit out the rest of the year. Do you consider that Miami game in any way a grudge match on the level? Not obviously on the level of Boston, but like, do you have any kind of like, 
we need to beat the Heat up here for 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 our like confidence. I don't have that. I'm gonna my, be honest. It's been such a herky jerky year with Miami, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, no, go ahead. I, I don't look at Miami as a team that like Miami last year, Miami the year before. I, I saw them as a team that you know what you really got to be concerned about. Now I just look at them as a team who, yeah, they have Jimmy Butler. So you're judging that team based on the fact that they have a, a star, but they're not a team that really scares me. And I like, I'm I'm sorry, like if like. I know I have a lot of Heat fans on my timeline who always criticize me, but this team's not scary. They can't score the ball. Uh, I I think they also, like, those games have been, I think back to that, I don't know if it was a back-to-back, but it was, like, home in Philly, then home in Miami was the next game. And yeah. they beat the crap out of Miami without Embiid in Miami. Then right yeah. after Miami had come into Philly and won, it just there's never any rhyme or reason to these Miami games. And sometimes it's like, man, I guess Gabe Vincent and Max Struess are Joe Dumars and Isaiah Thomas against us. And then sometimes Miami will be full strength and we and we bust them up. It's really, I I can never call it with Miami. I always know Boston is going to be these like absolute wars, and Horford's going to be chirping at the Philly bench. And it's going to be, you know, all these little knickknack calls and, and Marcus Smart falling on the ground and Grant Williams falling on the ground and us falling on the ground. But with Miami, it's like I can never get a feel for it. And, I mean, the last Miami, like the, we played a two game series and it, that was, I mean, reminiscent of the, the series against Chicago. We lost the first game, came out the second game. Yeah. So, you know, maybe there's just an intense lack of focus when it comes to the two game series for the six um we just we're not consistent and we don't play our way through them. I mean, we just we don't show up the first game. And then also the, the game in which we played Miami, the first game, that was right after we beat the Bucks. So That's that right. was like a prime. That was a prime letdown spot. That was a spot where, you know, MB hit the, the game winner against the Bucks. I mean, like Harden played really well. And then two days later, you got to play Miami. And it's just, it was, it was, it was, we were due for a letdown spot. So I, I just, I'm not taking a lot from it just because I just don't believe in this team this year. Um, any other players you wanted to touch on before we got out of here? I was going to mention Tobias. Yeah, I was going to say Tobias. I mean, like, what's your thoughts on Tobias right now? So I was, I'm trying to go eye test versus stats here a little bit. And obviously, the thing you can't look to Tobias for is like consistency because. Fourth option dudes, which let's be honest, is what he is. Yeah. Are not are just not getting like enough touches or enough like consistent looks or enough plays that are drawn up for him mm. for it to be like, oh, yep, 2019 a night. I can always count on Tobias for that. I don't think he's looked exactly the same since the Milwaukee game. You know, mm-hmm. there's just something tentative about him. And he had he gotten that calf injury against the Bucks, right? Uh I'm nervous. PJ Tucker can't be the fourth option. PJ Tucker can't be the dude that Harden is looking for in the corner. Like PJ Tucker can't be the guy who's in the dunker spot. You know what I mean? Like this, this sort of like, well, Tobias doesn't have it working. I mean, I thought some night, sometimes last night there were moments where I thought our spacing was atrocious, like really bad. And I think Boston does some very difficult things to us defensively where it's like, um, fake doubles that they throw at us where it's just like Harden's not being doubled, but there's a guy standing like six feet off of Tucker 
so he can basically double like Harden. Like it, there's just a lot of like defensive stuff that Boston does to us that I think really gets in our head. And I thought we were probably like pretty lucky to get Grant Williams on Embiid early. This mm-hmm. is all a long way of saying like I don't really know where I'm at with Toby. Like I love him as a dude. I think he's been a really cool Sixer and a really cool Philadelphian. Um, and I think that at times this year, he's kind of saved our asses because like there have been moments where the team has been undermanned and he's really stepped up, but it's really hard for me to watch these last like 10 days of basketball and be like, I can see Tobias Harris having a breakout playoff game. Mm. Here's a question I want to ask you. Who is in our playoff rotation? Because right now, like, I'm concerned with Niang, actually. Yeah, I think Niang's out. I, I mean, unless uh, I think Niang will play against Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for me to imagine Niang playing against uh, Boston. Like, I would like to see Daniel House more. Probably going to. You're probably going to. Yeah, it's like he played 48 seconds last night. <laughs> and, you know, Niang played 15 minutes. And they kind of did the same thing. <laughs> I, uh... I don't know, man. Like, so last night the rotation was essentially, yeah, like you mentioned, House played a minute. B-Ball Paul played nine minutes. Uh, McDaniels had 15, Niang had 16, and and Melton had 19. No Deadman, no Harrell, no Milton, no Korkmaz. I'm not, I'm not really sure the, the yo-yo that Mil- Milton's on uh, yeah. with Doc. And I do not really love... I mean, I think obviously Reed is still like on that, like you can go out there, but the second you screw up, you're coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe if this had been a less, a less crucial game in Embiid's career in terms of winning the MVP, maybe that's like a 35, 34 minute night for Embiid and Paul Reed gets six more minutes. I don't know. But uh, yeah, like that rotation is weird because I don't know that he knows exactly what he's going to do when he faces boston and milwaukee and i feel like boston does know what they're gonna do yeah like honestly i just i don't think you could play niang and like you know the the Celtics they switch so much um and then also i mean they just have so many guys who can put niang in a a poor position defensively that i don't know that he's playable um and i think you know i think that's the biggest concern with the sixers i I think we have the, the top level talent but when you look at milwaukee you look at boston they're just so deep yeah um And I'm just hoping that we can find one. I hope I'm hoping that there's just one or two guys, whether it's you know Shake, whether it's McDaniel's, whether it's um, House, who can put something together to help the rest of the rest of this team. Because I think that's those are the margins where you know it could take us from winning a series or losing a series and going home. So, how you feel about Glenn these days? <sighs> I mean, it's it's still the same. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it's just. Uh, <sighs> At the end of the day, it's like he is who he is. <laughs> and I, I've, I've kind of accepted that. Um, you got to take the good with the bad with him. So um, Yeah, I, I, think that, I think that for me, it, this season's been pretty clarifying because for a couple of years there, at the end of the Brett Brown era, I was kind of like, I, f- I feel like we are Quinn Snyder away from going to the finals or I feel like we're... Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe Mike D'Antoni or something like that, like somebody with a little bit more of like a um, sophisticated offensive playbook. I don't know, yeah. you know. Um, but then, really, this year has taught me that it's like it's the players. 
And it's like Harden's just better than everybody else we've ever had here with Embiid, and that's why yeah. we look we look really good. It's because Embiid finally has like an all NBA level playmaker and one of the best like creative guards in the league playing with him. And we just haven't had that with Ben Simmons yeah. or any of these other guys. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I mean, I, I think ultimately it's going to come down to, and I, I've said this before, but can Embiid and, and Harden be Kobe and Shaq? Can they stay healthy? Yeah, can they Which stay sucks healthy? Because it's then like it's like I can't I can't comment on that. You know, I'm not a doctor, and it's like yeah, you know, I mean, would you rather have won 49 games or whatever and had them sit a couple more? Like, no, I'd rather Embiid win the MVP and and we go into mm-hmm. the playoffs with the best player in the league. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, but you know, even beyond the health, they have to play well. They have to be. They have to be. They have to play like stars. And I think. You know, when I look at Milwaukee, when I look at Boston, I think they have a lot more margin for error. You know, Tatum, like, like, if there's one thing I can say about the Sixers this year against the Celtics, Tatum hasn't played that great. No. Like, we've we've managed to slow Tatum down. And yet, I mean, they've pretty much beat us every time except for last night. That's because Al Horford turns into friggin'... <laughs> Like Charles Barkley against us. Like if you told me, like if if Harden had the type of games that Tatum had against the Celtics, we might be getting blown out every time. And I think yeah. that's the difference. He has to be 0-1 to 0-3 Kobe. And it's unfortunate that he's banged up right now. Uh, Raheem, we're going to be probably, so let's, we'll probably do another Sixers pod next week getting ready for the playoffs. And maybe we'll do like a little bit of a regular season review and some awards for the regular season. And um, it'll be interesting to see actually by the end of the like regular season, whether because it's been such like a hotly debated MVP conversation and we've had these straw polls and we've had these like, oh, I think this is going to it's going to happen this way, that way. Like, I wonder if we're going to know whether Embiid won it next week or have a sense, you know? Yeah. When I mean. They typically don't announce until like the second round of the playoffs, right? No, but I feel like a lot of people, like because of the way like the NBA. Oh, the votes come out. Yeah. Well, everybody has a podcast too. And like people are like compelled to kind of talk through it. So you can sort of start to get to sense. Like last week I was like, oh man, I wonder if Giannis is going to win it. You know what I mean? Like it does feel like now all of a sudden everybody is like, has it been Giannis all along? Have we been fooling ourselves with him beating Jokic? And now obviously after last night, I think the message was very clear. It's like it's in beats to lose again. Uh, and that doing that to Boston kind of like matches, Jokic, like makes up for missing the Jokic game, missing the yeah. Nuggets game. So I wonder whether or not we'll have a sense going into like, you know, the, the, the play in, whether who, who is the, who the MVP is. I mean, FanDuel has Embiid at minus 1,000 now. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you look at like, you know, Bill said something interesting and, he said that Giannis has never really had the moment, those moments. And he's never been the, the he's never really been talked about this season. So it's like he almost views like MVP as like a time capsule. Yeah. And it's just like it's never really been Giannis's month. It's never really been his week. It's never been his year. So and I, I, I kind of look at it like Kawhi Leonard in 2017. Right. It's right. like he's kind of the third wheel out despite having a and great he's, year. He's sitting right there in front of us, but he had he wasn't averaging a triple-double or changing the way offensive basketball was played. 
Yeah, and yeah. I think that's that's really where it comes comes down to with Giannis. And then obviously he missed those fourteen games. And you know Drew Holiday is like, I mean he's been absolutely unreal. So um, I think it's a two man race. I think you know obviously you have you know voters out there who will like you said they'll talk about it in their podcast. I know Zach Lowe does a column every year where he basically tells you this is who I voted for. Um, yeah, he holds a, he's a little closer to the vest, but yeah, I want, I just wonder, um, we'll, we'll, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll do some regular season review stuff. Reem, mm-hmm. it was great to see you, man. Thanks to always to Cliff Augustine for producing us and, uh, everybody take care. Peace.